Welcome back to our next edition of the CBB Review Studio Podcast. I am Dan Siegel, joined as always by my co-host Ben Anderson. Before we get started, just want to remind all of you to subscribe to our CBB Review YouTube channel. If you are watching there, it costs nothing on your end and helps us out a lot. So please knock that out. We appreciate it. We are doing part six of the Transfer Portal series. So we are finally going to be finished after this one. We have already done the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Big East, and the SEC. So what is left? That is the Pac-12 out west. And the Pac-12, outside of the top two last year, which was clearly Arizona and UCLA, and they had very good regular seasons. Outside of those two, it was kind of a tough year and – There's not really any superstars coming in to lead me to believe that that dynamic will really change, but there's plenty of roster overhaul here to discuss. Yeah, absolutely. No one's going to blow you off, blow, blow off the page as a bona fide superstar that's coming into the league. But I do think a lot of the teams, particularly at the bottom end of the conference did make a market improvement. So we'll see how it goes. I, th- I think it'll be a lot closer of a conference than it was in 2022. Yeah, and we, we're going to talk about first our winners and our losers. Um, we have actually two losers, or I'm sorry, we have two winners and three losers. So I, I don't know what that exactly says about the conference, but we'll get into it. We'll discuss them one by one. So let's start with our first winner, and that will be the Cal Golden Bears, who, Ben, they were, I'll just put it this way, they were atrocious last year. They went 3-29. and The discussion about Cal was only because of how bad they were, because they were just so bad that they were just, like, fun and intriguing to talk about because of that. Like, we were having discussions about who would win a seven-game series between Cal and Louisville. I remember those times. But, th- yeah, this this was atrocious. Out goes Mark Fox. In comes Mark Madsen from Utah Valley. And, honestly, any roster overhaul after a 3-29 and year, probably going to be pretty good. But even with that being said, Cal actually added some good players. Yeah, I think they <laughs> – any, anything's going to be good, right? When you win three games, you don't really care who leaves the roster um, because something's got to go, right? But genuinely, I think even if Cal was a middling power five or power conference team, we w- we still might consider them a winner based off of what they brought in. And then you have to start with Fardaz Amak, who uh, comes in from Texas Tech, but originally from Utah Valley. He has, fam- he has familiarities with Coach Madsen. That's where he started off. Um, and he brings his teammate Jalen Tyson as well as a two-time transfer. So we're not quite sure whether he's going to get the eligibility waiver yet. Um, I believe that is still up in the air because he did originally start at Texas. But that one-two punch is going to be really solid if you're looking at a Pac-12 that maybe doesn't have the best, um, the best frontline bigs in the world. They also add Jalen Tyson, um, double-digit score, really good shooter, Jalen Cohn. He's a Virginia, former Virginia Tech Hokie and was really good at Northern Arizona. I know that's that competition level isn't too steep, but 
if you could shoot, you could shoot. And another guy who's a really good three point shooter. So that was really a theme. I felt like for Cal in the transfer portal, they added guys that could shoot efficiently from beyond the arc. And Jalen Cohen's 40% came on 7.3 attempts per game. So that's pretty high volume as well. Don't forget about Keontae Kennedy. He was a rotation, regular rotation player at Memphis. So that's a pretty decent program right there that you're getting some decent minutes from. This is I, – projecting Cal is going to be difficult because you really have no basis off of what they need to improve. They for probably the better just completely overhauled their whole roster. But like, like we said, this is exactly what they needed. And it's hard to say a lot of like positive things about the program coming off of the year that they had, but this is, like I said, this is exactly what they needed. Yeah. And if you look at the key departures as well, the big key when you're looking here is where, where do they transfer? Right. And they, all of these transfers that I lifted listed transferred down. None of them went to a power conference program, whether that be LMU or Cal Poly or Iona, VCU will be pretty good, but that should sort of be a sign that you're reloading, getting these players that you need to succeed at a power conference level. Um, And hopefully this is a good first year for Mark Batson. Yeah. Ben, they did not have a single double digit scorer last year. Well, besides Devin Askew, I guess if you count that, he played 13 games. But, yeah. Tough That's the home count, though. Let's yeah. move on, right? Yep. That's Arizona. Cool. That is our other winner. And Arizona is a lot more storied around the country for the right reasons, or I guess mostly for the right reasons, because they had a really good regular season. They ended up being a two seed. They did lose to Princeton in the first round. And... The storylines with Arizona will always be the continued disappointments that they have in March. And it's really hard to pinpoint a specific problem. Maybe you can, Ben, but I don't know what the specific problem is with Arizona every year. Like Kentucky, you could always say, yes, this doesn't translate to March. They don't have the experience. They're relying too much on NBA prospects and freshmen. I don't know, like, you can't really say something like that about Arizona. Either way, though, I think they did get better, and I think they definitely emphasized that backcourt for sure. Yeah, here, let me let me, let me me float an idea at you here, Dan. Did they replace Kirk Risa with the ACC version of Kirk Risa and Caleb Love? Yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it. I mean, Caleb Love is just such a polarizing player. It it's it's something that's so worth talking about, but I just like how do I feel about this? Right? How do you feel about the addition of Caleb Love? I think Kirk Reese is a better passer. Yeah. And he's a better three point shooter. But I think I'd rather have Caleb Love than Kirk Reese because man I would do. For for what for all the two of you know thirteen performances that Caleb Love had, or you know just the times where the fit wasn't right at UNC, Krisa had his fair share of struggles at Arizona as well, and I think it was probably a good change of scenery for both of them. Now West Virginia's a weird place for Krisa to land. We talked about that in the Big Twelve episode, but I do think that at worst you can call this a a push, right? Yeah, but the fact that Kirk Risa did exist 
and existed in the capacity that he did kind of leads me to believe that it's not like we're all of a sudden going to see a, a new version of Caleb Love that's just a much smarter, much more disciplined player out there. But I think he'll, he won't necessarily play as detrimental as a role as he did at points at UNC. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, but beside him, you'll have Kashad Johnson just coming off the national title ja- title game appearance at San Diego State, and then Jaden Bradley as well at Alabama. Yeah. yeah, he came in as a freshman with a lot of upside. Didn't truly work out the way I don't think they wanted to, but for a variety of reasons, over over in Tuscaloosa, think that he'll play a great piece in the backcourt alongside Love and Colin Boswell. As well as returning for really his freshman season. He just turned 18, I believe. So that'll be an interesting backcourt to see, you know, who starts, who doesn't. Um, and then Johnson will bring some beef on the wing as well. I think this is pretty clearly a winner. Yeah, for sure. Even even if you think the worst of Caleb Love, you, if you think the worst of Caleb Love, you have to consider the whole thing about Creesa. And then good point about Johnson and Bradley. Um, and, uh, yeah. Ball off to Santa Clara. No big deal there. So I, I definitely consider Arizona a winner. We're in agreement there. Someone who's a clear loser, though, is the in-state rival of Arizona, and that would be Arizona State, who put them there. Arizona State, they did get younger, but they lost, I think, a lot of talent. And this is really what they're losing from year one. From one year to another, I should say. They they lose their leading scorer, Desmond Cambridge. He's graduating. They lose their second leading scorer, DJ Horn, off to NC State. They lose Devin Cambridge, their third leading scorer, off Oregon. And then they also lose their fifth leading scorer, Warren Washington, off to Texas Tech. So that's not good for Arizona State. I think they got some pieces to retool but i'm considering them more of a loser no i I completely agree um really if you look at like the 247 rankings for basketball for the top transfers i believe arizona state's either second or third in the pac-12 and but that doesn't take into account what they lost and that's really where this is playing into effect here washington's a huge loss like even a guy like austin nunez he was a, a pretty touted freshman um, going off to play for Chris Beard at Ole Miss. Luther Muhammad, I just saw that name, and I just did not know how he still had college eligibility, but he is on the list in the transfer portal somehow. He played tw- in 2019 in Ohio- at Ohio State, which is incredible to me. And if you talk about the key additions, I mean, Adam Miller, at, when he's good, he's he's pretty good. Right, yeah. he's he's very he's definitely a solid starter, especially in the Pac-12. But this is his third school. You don't know how that's going to look. Kamari Lands had production at Louisville, but it was a four-win team, right? Sean Phillips didn't play much at NC State, and then you just got a couple of um, couple of pieces from lower ranks. So you never know how that's truly going to translate. I do worry about this this team. I don't think they're tournament caliber, um, and I don't think that the key departures helped. No. There's no reason to believe if they were not able to get themselves on the right side of the bubble last year, and then we talk about the the ins and outs this year, there's no reason to believe that they're in any way a better team or even as good of a team. I think they're going to – I mean, I guess what? You could argue that Arizona State was 
the third best team in the Pac-12 last year or like around there. Yeah, maybe. I think I'd have to look back, but they're, they're probably not the third best team in the, in the Pac-12 this year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're they're more towards the middle, even the bottom half. So <laughs> I guess, sorry, we went out of order a little bit here with the slides, but we will not be skipping USC because they are also one of our losers. And USC is an interesting one because I look at the offseason and Ben, I'm not sure they got worse. I think we're pinpointing in these episodes the transfer portal. And because of the transfer portal, it did not help, but I I think they will be fine. They have the fourth ranked freshman class in the nation. One guy transfers in, several out. Maybe these guys saw the writing on the wall because you look at the guys that transferred out, Trey White off to Louisville, Reese Dixon Waters, San Diego State, Malik Thomas out to San Francisco. These are guys that did not have the production yet at USC. They're guys that, if given the opportunity, they could have potentially broken out. But maybe because of the large quantity and large quality, to be to like, to be honest, of freshmen coming into USC, maybe they just didn't think they would get their opportunities and wanted to go elsewhere. And all three of them went to lower caliber schools, at least regarding last year. Well, maybe not. I guess not Reese Six and Waters. Never mind. But Trey White and um, Malik Thomas for sure. Yeah, it's a strange situation because Trey White was a very highly touted transfer um, in this offseason. I think a lot of schools wanted him ends up in Louisville. And then Reese Dixon and Waters was a piece that they would have had for all four years likely and would have been really a productive rotation player for the Trojans. It's just, and you saw, you saw this in the high school ranks too. I believe they had a couple of decommitments throughout the spring once Bronny James committed. Um, of course, if we we're talking about the additions here, DJ Rodman coming from Washington State, the son of Dennis Rodman. Um, so he'll be coming over from the Cougars. A little in-conference transfer right there. He played a little bit, uh, or he played about half the minutes at Washington State. He wasn't a huge product productor, but um, he'll add some key minutes and spots here and there. So I think that's a notable addition as maybe a, a fifth or a sixth option on this team. But you you really hit the nail on the head here, Dan, with the fact that we're fo- focusing solely on the transfer portal. And if we're looking just at the transfer portal, not even at high school recruits, not even at like incoming, outgoing, um, this is a loss because I do think White, Dixon Waters, and Malik Thomas didn't play much, but he has a high ceiling. He was a highly doubted recruit as a prospect top 50, I believe. Um, you lost a lot of potential. Right. And if you're sort of selling your soul for this one year, um, if you're Andy Enfield, especially with Boogie Ellis coming back, I just worry about the long term effects of what this transfer class looks like later down the line. Yeah, I agree. And regarding Brody James, we could probably talk about him for like 15, 20 minutes. That's not what we're going to do on this episode because there's just there's a gazillion storylines regarding that. But I think this team will be good next year i think they'll be better next year i think uh they return a fifth year boogie ellis that's huge dj rodman adds the experience i think that that's a very key addition because he adds the experience to what they otherwise wouldn't have and those role players are really important i think dj rodman fits that but i i agree on the long-term future 
those are guys you didn't want to lose. And like I said, we're just weighing the balance scales of the transfers, the additions and the departures. It definitely leads towards the departures. Yeah, absolutely. And then for our last loser, we're coming in with the Stanford Cardinal. Now, Stanford will always have an asterisk, an exception to their name, because as an academic school, it is extremely hard to transfer in. Um, and that will always be the case. It has always been the case in football and basketball, and I'm sure other sports as well. So that's always something to consider when you're talking about Stanford in this context. That being said, they did lose a lot of pieces here, right? Um, most notably Harrison Ingram. He came in as a five-star recruit, was highly touted. He was good, but not great during his two years uh, in Palo Alto, eventually moves off to USC, UNC Chapel Hill. Um, and then we also have Michael O'Connell, who was their starting guard um, for the entirety of last season, moving off to NC State. Issa Silva was a, high, a top 40 recruit and didn't really work out there. Transferred over to Long Beach. And then finally Jarvis Moss moving over to Davidson. They do bring in Jared Bynum. And I think that's a really good piece. I, I do. I really like Jared Bynum at Providence. I'm interested to see what it'll look like. Um, and I don't necessarily think that Stanford is going to be a bad team next year. I just think that if you're just looking at the transfer portal, sort of like USC, um, this is definitely a, a loss, uh, one in for the loss column. I don't know if I necessarily compare this to USC situation because I think Stanford in particular needed more of a roster surge, which they didn't really get. And I don't – I think Harrison Ingram – is definitely going to be in a, in a better situation at UNC than Stanford. Clearly he wasn't reaching his full potential at Stanford. I think he could turn into a really significant player on the wing for UNC. The rest of those departures take it or leave it, but I would have wanted them to add a little bit more. Bynum, I know you, you said you like him. He's a point guard for Providence. He has his flaws, a little bit undersized, a little bit inefficient at times. I don't know. You, you, you disagree or do you agree that this roster might have needed a little bit more of like a just because that's well, I, 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 yeah, I see what you're saying. I just think that it's impossible to get what you're asking for at Stanford, given so, the, 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 I think they will perpetually be a loser in the transfer portal. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Do you think that Stanford is just at such a competitive disadvantage in the changing landscape, especially that they'll wind up on this slide every year? Yeah, and you'll see similar problems at like uh, Northwestern and Vanderbilt, like schools yeah. with high academic standards. Michigan, obviously, yeah. losing losing Caleb Love. Georgetown lost to Marco Dunn. I didn't know if you saw that, but he's not he's not heading to Georgetown anymore. Now that might be a UNC problem more than anything else. But um, like you, you do have these these schools that are at certain competitive disadvantages, and I do think that Stanford's one of them, if not the most. Yeah. No, I agree with the ones you said too. Michigan, uh, Michigan just has a lot more prestige outside of the academics versus Stanford and Northwestern that they'll probably be fine just a little bit at a disadvantage. But that's definitely a storyline to keep an eye on. As we always end these episodes, after giving our winners and losers in the transfer portal – we're going to name our all Pac-12 transfer team. So, Ben, I've gone first for all these episodes. You know what? I'm going to let you go first. So. All right. Um, so this was kind of hard, if we're being completely honest. I'm looking through my notes, and I don't have a ton of great options. 
So let's start off. I am going to pick Jared Bynum I, mm-hmm. I, as one of my starting guards. He's proven himself at a high major level, and I do think that he is a solid addition to the Stanford team. I'm also going to go with Fardal Zamek. I think that's a clear choice for me um, in terms of what he brings, especially with his old coach. Then we're going to go with Jalen Cohn. It might be three out of five coming from Cal, if I'm being honest. Um, Jalen Cohn belongs on this list as well, just as a microwave scorer coming in from Northern Arizona. Uh, Do you remember at one point he called himself, he wanted to be the Max Acemas of Northern Arizona. I don't know if you read that, but that's what he called himself, which I think is funny considering now he's back back at the high major level. Uh, And then I'm putting putting Jalen Tyson there as well. I really do like him um, as a piece for for the Golden Bears here. And then finally, yeah, I agree. <laughs> do I, I guess I go Adam Miller? It's, it is pretty slim pickings. You're right. I think, I think I'll go Adam Miller. I think he's proven himself enough at the high major level that he'll make an impact at an Arizona state school that lost a ton of production. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up a 13, 14 point scorer under Bobby Hurley. Yeah, a um, few honorable mentions, I guess. We could go, I mean, besides the guys we mentioned already, I think Davion Smith going from Georgia Tech to Utah, that might be a pretty good fit. Um, I mean, did you did you say Devin Cambridge in conference? I did not, but that's a, that would be a good pick as well. Yeah, we, we talked good. about him, but from Arizona State to Oregon. Um, Moses Wood going over from... I think it's Portland to Washington, underrated one there. So oh, um, and and Washington also just picked up what's his his, his from Lamar. Oh, I forget his name. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he uh, he was like a 17 point scorer there, but it was a bad bad Lamar team. Like, yeah, I was, I was like, oh, I wonder how good they were. They're like 360 at Ken Palm or something crazy like that. Yeah, um, and they're it's not. Like... Did average he averaged it was, his name's Nate Camasil something like that. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, it's difficult to judge those like high producing players at low to mid major schools because they're not all created the same. And now yeah, I think theme of the Pac-12 pretty underwhelming. Honestly, I think we made it clear that the two bottom conferences in the power conferences last year were the ACC and the Pac-12. And I think the ACC definitely did a lot better when it comes to the transfer portal. So that will do it for today's edition of the CBB review studio podcast. Be sure, like I said, to subscribe to the CBB review YouTube channel, or if you are watching or if you're listening on Spotify or Apple podcast, be sure to subscribe there. And uh, yeah, that's part six of six of the transfer portal recap. Hope you guys enjoyed. Be sure to go back and listen to the ones you have not already, if you would like to. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Take care.